Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. I love that. Because we are all in the hands of the potter and our Creator is shaping us, is molding us to be more like His Son. I mean, you really think about that. We, we, we have a Father, a Heavenly Father. You have a Heavenly Father. And he wants you to be more like his son. We live in a world where people are struggling, struggling with identity, really not knowing who they are. Football season has started and it always gets me because I used to be one of those men. And if you do this, it's okay. I'm not saying, but... I remember going to uh, the athletic stores in the mall, and I just want to buy that jersey of that football player that I just want, I just think so highly of. And I think that, man, just as a kid, that's who I wanted to be. And we even have grown men who still do that today that don't know their identity, don't know that they have a special purpose, our ultimate goal is to be more like Christ, our ultimate goal is to be the light just as Christ our ultimate goal is to be the salt. Our ultimate goal is to love. And our ultimate goal is to allow the potter's hand to mold us the way we need to be. But the problem is that we don't allow him to do that we may allow him to to hug us and to lay hands on us so to speak but as you see that visual of that of the of the clay just spinning and the hand is actually working in that clay and pushing it out and bringing it up and and adding water to it to smooth now, that is the part that we do not allow God to, to partake in our lives. Yes, Lord. You call me go to church, I'll go to church. Yes, Lord. Uh, you call me to tithe, I'll tithe. But you want me to love this person? I don't know. You want me to do this? I don't know. You want me to change this about my life? I, I don't know about that, Lord. 
we are continuing our series of masterpiece, but I want you to know that it's a, we are a masterpiece, but we are a masterpiece in progress. In progress. Every single one of us. We're not perfect. We're going to struggle in things. <clears throat> but are we allowing him to work in our lives, even when it's uncomfortable, even when, we, when it doesn't make sense? Are we allowing him? Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be at this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, looking at verse 17. How can we allow God to work in our lives? How can we allow God to mold us and to shape us to, to be more like His Son? You know, we've been going through the book of Ephesians in this series. And Ephesians 1, chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul declares that the that, that salvation is for everyone. And I want you to understand that. Salvation is for everyone. Jesus died for everyone. Amen. He died for every single being that is in or on this earth. And he goes from, from delivering the message of, of how the gospel is for everyone. Now he's saying, okay, you received Christ. You claim to be a believer now because he was also, he's talking about the Gentiles, how the Gentiles are the Christ, Christ, the gospel is for the Gentiles now. And now that you received Christ, now it's time to start living. Now it's time to start Putting everything that you're learning, everything that you believe, everything that you are continuing to put it into action. And when we do that, there's a transformation that is happening. When we do that, we are allowing the potter's hand to do his work. And see, when we allowed for all that, Things starts cha changing in our lives. God gives us an access to a new attitude, to a new way of life. And so, my question to you, because I like to ask the church a question every Sunday. How's your attitude? How's your attitude? How's your attitude when it comes to certain things? How's your attitude when it comes to conflict? How's your attitude when it comes to your family? How's your attitude when it comes to forgiveness? How's your attitude when it comes to loving one another? How's your attitude when it comes to serving? How's your attitude in everything? Is it changing? Is it transforming? See, what we are... What I want us to learn, what I feel God wants us to learn is that we must guard our thoughts 
our way of thinking, that stinking thinking, right? And we must guard our words. Because in reality, those right there determine our heart's attitude and our choices. And so, let's pray. Father God, I just pray that today, every single one of us will just have a a reflection, an attitude check, Father. How we deal with things in our lives, are they bringing you honor and glory? When we are dealing with conflict, are we trying to deal with it in, in our own way that we feel is best for us, or are we bringing it to you, Father, and allowing you to work in our lives, in our problems, in our situations, in every aspect of our lives, Father. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning and that everything that we do, everything that we say, brings you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Ephesians 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Because we are a new creation, remember? When we receive Christ, we are a new creation. In the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. We're going to stop right there, and this was going to, going to be the majority of my sermon. And I have to confess something to you, church. I have to confess something to you because I wasn't here last week. We had an emergency or at the fire department, and I got one of my brothers, Will Donovan, who I've heard nothing but great things that he and I praise God for him stepping in. And, and so this week I was like, oh, I got a little vacation time. I, I already got my sermon down, so I, don't, I just need to look it over. But then a couple of days ago, God told me to change it. He says, I need to read more. I need to dive deeper. But right here, Paul goes on to listing eight descriptions of the dreadful condition of those who are caught up in life of sin. And I'm just going to still talk briefly about it. He says that they are darkened in their understanding. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. See, the first two descriptions 
is the identifying their state of being. In Romans 1, 21, part of Paul's famous descriptions of the depravity of the Gentiles, he states that although they knew God, their foolish hearts were darkened. See, Paul is stressing their deliberate choice to reject God and his ways. And we see that all the time, church. It's here. It's with things that they were dealing with back then. We still deal with it now. We see people who are now denouncing Christ. The second thing is they are separated from the life of God. We're separating ourselves when we are so much into sin and have no desire to change. Our mind has been warped and our thinking has that our stinking thinking has taken over. We are moving ourselves away from God's hand. The life that God has for us. To a holy God, sin is detestable. There's absolutely no room for sin when it comes to a holy God. The third thing is we can be ignorant because of the ignorance that is in them. Since their understanding has been darkened, they are filled with ignorance. And this is a dangerous ignorance. For it is the result, not of the lack of knowledge, okay? But of a deliberate denial of the knowledge of God. And we see that so many times people who know God and, and know about God, and they just continue deliberately sinning. And that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be for any of us. Because when we start acting on our sins and saying that we're, com- we're being comfortable in our sin, we're becoming ignorant people of God's word. Then it begins to creep in our hearts and our hearts starting to harden. This is the reason the world is so much into would say ignorance because we see a lot of people's hearts becoming hard young and old all of us are not immune to this ignorance leads to hardness which in turn leads to callousness the inability of feeling pain, the inability for caring, the inability of feeling shame. 
or guilt. Convicted. It's a terrible place that we could end up in. And then Paul says that they are full of greed. We start becoming greedy people. We start becoming insensitive. We start becoming hard-hearted people. These are all warning signs that we have to take, be aware of. Because this kind of characteristics is seeping into the church and these are seeping into God's people. And we have to be aware of it, church. And before you start looking at other people's lives and you're like, am I becoming that way? Am I becoming insensitive? Is my heart being hardened? Verse 20. He continues to say, but you have not so learned Christ that if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on. The new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. See, we know that because of sin, when we begin to experience sin and we deliberately just sinning, there's consequences to that. There's consequences of sin. And I've heard this analogy, and it says that the moment that you pick a flower, it dies because it's been separated from its source of life. Although it doesn't appear dead yet, but the seeds of death are automatically built into the breaking of the fellowship. When you cut the flower off from the tree or the vine, fellowship is immediately broken between the flower and the vine. If you have somebody that if you have somebody that gives you a flower, they just handed them death. Now, man, this is not an excuse to not give your, your spouse's flowers, okay? Don't, don't, say, don't go home and say, hey, pastor says I can't buy you any flowers because I'm handing you death, all right? Not that, you can buy fake flowers. I don't know if y'all. No, just kidding. Still buy your spouse flowers. This is just an analogy, but it's a true analogy. So in reality, we just handed somebody death. Now, it may be red death, it may be yellow death, it may be whatever the color of the flower is, but just give it a little time. Just give it a little bit of time, and that death 
will become extraordinary evident as the petals starts dropping. The flower starts changing colors. It starts getting dry. Withered. And gets old. And the next thing you know, it's going into the trash. As well intended as you may have been in, in, in just sharing that flower that you just thought you made brownie points with your wife, that you just got a dozen roses, eventually death will happen. You've given them dead flowers. And see... Lack of fellowship. Lack of being connected to the vine. Are you getting it? There's a connection that needs to be made here. There's a connection that, hey, look, even though Paul is saying, look, you need to be careful there's a, there's a way out. There's a way that we can handle. There's a way that we can be transformed. But so many times we want to be disconnected. In our Sunday school class this morning, we're talking about time management. And the very first step in your time management is time with God. How much time are you spending in his word. How much time are we spending in prayer so that we do not become dried up spiritual flowers? Because that's what can happen and that's what will happen. If you are not eating good eats, drinking from the, the well of life, we have to stay connected to the one who grows us. And Paul compares and contrasts the old carnal self to the fleshly way of living. And he's encouraging believers to, that, to put on. To put on. He says that the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on a new man which was created according to God. Put on. Last Sunday, we had four structure fires in a 24-hour period. The first one was in the middle, middle of the day. I have extra clothes just for those kind of occasions, work clothes. Got done with the fire. We were dirty, smelled like smoke, was nasty, just didn't uh, like it. And so I took a shower, put on a new set of clothes, felt refreshed, felt clean, felt renewed, felt so good. Second fire comes, Going out, man, I got to take a shower again. After I got done, taking another shower, 
put on some clothes, fresh clothes. Felt good. Felt refreshed. Felt clean. Third fire. Come back to the station. I'm tired. I'm dirty. Didn't have any clothes. Took a shower, put on the old clothes. I mean, put on, yeah, put on the old clothes. I didn't feel, I didn't feel as clean. I didn't feel as refreshed. I still felt dirty. See, when you received Christ as Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, you receive him, you have been bathed in the blood of Christ. But so many times we are bathed in the blood of Christ, but we continue to put on that, that nasty old robe. We still put in on those dirty old clothes. Every time in Christ says, no, you are cleansed from the inside out. Put on the new man. He says to be new. Put on. And so many times, many of us have done which brings havoc, havoc into our lives, havoc into our community of faith, that we have been washed by the blood of Jesus, but yet we still put on the old clothes. And the Lord wants us, you, me, to take off those old clothes as they do not fit with the new cleansing. Time to strip down, not just speaking. Don't. It's time to strip because the enemy just wants us to think that we are still our old selves and we are not our old selves, church. I don't care what you say, I don't care what anybody else says, that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation and i have to something that i just recently learned go to john 16 i don't have this on the board but go in your bibles to go to john chapter 16 Jesus here, in chapter 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about that he has to go away so that our helper can come, right? And he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says this. Let's do it in uh, John 16. Let's go to, uh, well, let's just do verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Okay, this is where I want you to focus on. 
He has come. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin. Because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin because they do not believe in me. He's talking about unbelievers. And of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And because of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And I have to confess. Because I had this wrong. I used to say that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin as a believer. No, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin before we become a believer. That's why we need Jesus. That's where we come to know that we need a Savior. And see, our God, our loving God, he doesn't want to convict us of our sin and keep blaming you. Amy, this is what you do. This is Gary, this is what you do. Becky, this is what you do. Ellie, this is what you do. That is not right. No, it says here for the righteousness, he convicts us of our righteousness in church. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we take that blood bath, we take that blood shower, we are a new creation. And so there's no need for you to continue to put on those old clothes. He wants you to have new clothes. And why? Because not because of the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, but because of the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your righteousness, that you have been right, made right standing in God. And that is something to be a man about because we cannot do it by ourselves. We can do it with the love of Christ. Amen. Because I'm filthy. I am filthy on the things that I do on my own, but it's because of his righteousness. And I love that so much because I want you to understand, church, the enemy wants you to focus on all the bad things, all the things. That you, and God says, look, you are made right because of what Jesus, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because he's our encourager. He's our comfort her. There's no comfort and continue to tell you, man, look at your sin. Look at what you keep on doing. You need to stop that. No. He says, look, you have been made right with me because of what my son has done. You don't have to worry about that anymore. So many times the enemy wants to twist things around. And we are so like that with our children. We are so like that. We start just blaming the wrong things that they do instead of highlighting the great things that they do. And this is all part of the enemy's scheme. And in Ephesians, uh, going on in verse 25, he says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of us, each one of you, speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, what he may have something to give him 
who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. See, God, Paul, he's telling us, look, I hope you're getting it. It's we can walk, we can, we can do this, we can work on this transformation. You just have to be careful. You have to be aware of how you act. You have to be aware of what you are listening to. You have to be aware of what you're speaking and what you are saying. We can't even partake in a little white lie. Because that can grow into a big lie. A little white lie is still a lie. And that's just giving you an example. We cannot bend God's truth to form our worldly views or to make us feel better for our sin. And if we continue to think like that, if we continue to think that this truth works over here, but it doesn't really work over here, it's okay. Then we're bending God's truth and what we're doing is we're allowing trash to sit in. And next thing you know, that trash is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what happens when you just leave trash out? You start getting some visitors, right? You start getting some bugs, right? And the next thing you know, you're just infested because the trash hasn't been thrown out. So guess what happened? Those little creatures, they made a home. Even though they weren't invited because of the trash, it's an open invitation for those creatures to come in and take residence. When we start doing just a little bit of sin over here, but it's okay, but I'm not going to do the big sins. We're leaving our trash right there. Next thing you know, that trash is getting bigger and bigger. Satan is coming in. The enemy is taking residence in your life. The next thing you know, you're asking yourself, how in the world did I get here? How did I get so caught up in this mess? Whenever there is uncleanness left alone in your life, it is an invitation for demons to meet them, to make themselves at home. Yes, demons. I know in the American church don't want, want to hear about demons, but yes, they are real. So important that we have to have a trash check, right? Becky will not stand one minute. If I allow the trash to build up and to build up and to build up 
right? No, doesn't matter how many times I try to just shove it down, make room. Day later, there's more pile of trash, and I just shove it down. Just enough to keep the lid closed, right? Because if it's spewing out of the lid, Becky sees that, and she's going to address it. When you start seeing trash in my life, church, no matter how much I try to suppress it, no, mat, no matter how much I try to compress just so I can hide it from y'all, eventually it's going to come out. And when it does, I expect y'all to be like my wife. You need to throw that trash. What's going on? But, but I also need you to be my cheerleader. Todd needs cheerleaders in his life. I need cheerleaders in my life. We all need cheerleaders in our lives. See, in verse 29 let no corrupt word proceed out of, your, out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And I know I'm running out of time, and I'm sorry, church, but I want you to listen to this. Because this is something that we can all do. Just like that dead flower that is clipped from the vine, if we are staying connected, God doesn't want us to content be connected so we could point out each other's sin right no that's not what he wants us to do because the holy spirit he wants us to be reminded of who we are in christ and that what we should be doing with each other is having truth and love if we have truth without love we're not doing anything and if we have more love than truth we're not doing anything we have to have the balance of truth we got to have cheerleaders in our lives to be able to be encouraging to encourage one another, to lift each other up. And as I, I'm learning this, as Anselma is the cheerleader, and, 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 and I just think, like, how hard, when, when the game is going good, right? When the game is going great and it's going our way and it looks like we're getting that W, it's so easy to be cheering. Am I correct, Anselma? It's so easy for us to cheer because things are going great. Things are going our way. We are, on the, we are on the top of the scoreboard. We are leading. But what if we were losing and it doesn't look like it's going to go our way? How would it look if our cheerleaders, oh, we're done. It's only the second quarter. and They're winning by 82 points. There's just no way. There's just no way. They drop their pom-poms. And go other team because they're winning and we're... No. You think the school will take that? You think the school will be happy on how they just give up? No, the cheerleaders there are there to pump everybody up. The cheerleaders are there to get the game back on track just by being encouraging. And see, church, we live in a world 
where we don't have enough cheerleaders. We don't have enough cheerleaders in our lives to cheer us on to finish. Because there's some of us here right now that feels like we're losing. So there's some of us here right now that had just adopted the attitude of, well, that's just the way it's always going to be. No, it's not going to be that way. You are made new in Christ because of what he has done. You have, made, you have been made of a right standing with God, his righteousness. Cheer each other, not tear each other down. Let's be cheerleaders. Let's be cheerleaders for Christ. And I'm going to close with this. Ephesians 4, 29. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering of a sacrifice to God for the sweet smelling aroma all right Paul is saying look Life is going to be hard, and there's things that we're going to struggle. But people, we need to be reminded who we are in Christ. We need to be reminded of what God has done. We need to be reminded of what Jesus has done. And so right now, right now, I want you to think about the time that you received Christ. Think about it. It might have been 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 20, 10 years. It might have been yesterday. But go back to that point, that memory in your life where you received Christ. And you see, and you, I want you to be reminded, okay? how you felt. Now, you think about all the struggles that you went through, those dark times, those deep valleys, and what? I bet he got you through those. Did he not? Did he not? It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to love people. It's going to be hard to forgive people. It's going to be hard to see that God's hand is, is leading you, is helping you, is walking you through those valleys. But I guarantee you, this is not the first valley that you've gone through. And you got through it. See, when you ring a, a bell, there's a bell over there by the church over there down the street from the shop. And I'm always tempted. And there's an outside bell. And you just grab onto the rope. And you just start... 
ring, start pulling on it, and the next thing you know, that movement, it makes that bell move, right? It sways, and the next thing you know, that bell is ringing, right? Ding, dong, ding, dong. But as long as you're hanging on to that rope, and as long as you're pulling down on it, you're going to make that noise. But what happens is when you let go of that rope, it doesn't automatically stop that bell from ringing. It keeps going. And you, start, you still hear the noise. Ding, dong, ding, dong. And eventually it will stop. There is so much, so much noise going on in your life like the ringing of the bell. And all God wants us to do is to let go. To let go of the rope. See, that's what true forgiveness is. Is really just letting go. Just really letting go of what thing, the sin, the hurt, the pain that you have struggled with. And I guarantee you, yeah, you, once you let go, it's still going to be ringing. But eventually it's going to stop. See, when forgiveness is, is a hard thing for Christians to, to do, right? Because it's something that somebody has done to us. And those of you know our, our testimony, I'm not going to go into detail, but several years we were hurt by a church and somebody in the church. I didn't think I could ever forgive that person. I will let go of the rope, but it'll still be making that noise. I may see something on the news that triggers that, that bad thought. I may see something on the radio that triggers that. The next thing you know, I'm back in my feelings, hanging on to that rope. Damn. But what I'm learning is that the more that I am in Christ, the more that I allow my heavenly father mold me, the more that I trust and obey, the less of a sound that bell is making. And now it doesn't bother me as much. Instead of focusing on the bad things, now I'm focusing on the good so as Gary comes up and he begins to play, we've talked about the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that for us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit by not wanting to let go. Not letting go of our sin. Not letting go of that forgiveness that God is calling us to forgive someone because of what they've done. Sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit by not obeying Him. He's asking you to trust Him. And sometimes in order for us to trust Him, we have to just let go. And so what is it in your life that God wants you to let go? Take this time as Gary plays. What is it that you, not anybody else, but you, 
What is it that you need to let go so that you can start walking in Christ? Thank you, Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.